0: For those of you who don't know who I am, I'm Bill Snell. I'm the executive pastor here at Grace Church and have been for a year and a half. Good morning. Well, let's pray together and maybe we can i all outshout the group that's singing in there. Father, we love you. So grateful for this morning, grateful for family, grateful for friends, incredibly grateful for Jesus. Thank you for what you've done in our lives and thank you for what you're saying and what you're doing these days. And truly, we've been born for days such as this for better or for worse, we're here and we believe that the kingdom of God is alive and well, so we pray that we can get in on what you're saying and what you're doing, uh, agree with you, walk in it, walk by faith, and see incredible impact throughout the world. So Lord, we're praying for the harvest these days, we're praying for people to come to know Christ and the church to come alive and come awakened and uh, come out of our slumber throughout the world to know the fullness of what Christ has accomplished on our behalf and to walk in it. So, Lord, thank you. Thank you for what you're saying and doing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, James, Cindy, and family are down in South Florida. Jake has got uh, four uh, soccer games, apparently, that he's playing in this weekend. And I don't know if they're going to go to the LSU game or not. Bill was asking about that. Do you know? Do you know? Well, of course, they're incredible fans, so we'll see if they are. Uh, Are you rooting for the opponent? LSU. LSU I'm from Louisiana too. Okay. All right. Very good. All right. Anybody? Yeah. Yeah. Well, everybody doing okay? We have uh, visitors from out of town here this morning. No. Can you hear me? All right. All right. I think they should be finished any moment. If not, I'll knock on the door and tell them it's over. <laughs> That's the best you can do come on <laughs> take your bibles if you would. i want to read uh, some verses out of romans chapter 8 uh, before i do how many of you have been on our new website have you seen the uh, have you seen it how do you do it it's the same it's the same address it is up so uh, part of the reason why we haven't is because we have lots of glitches still um, And we're trying to get those things ironed out you couldn't get on it just it say under construction or what? Hmm. Uh, if you are having problems what you might want to do is delete um, On your on your browser Delete that start over again because you know by the way you can't get on from here uh, all we come up with is the old website here, so something in our in our server is still has a memory Attachment to the old web old web look so it keeps going to that and we haven't been able to Clean it out. We had the uh, our, our host um, our website host come over and I'll tell you if you've ever seen any anybody Seen a, a maestro just played the piano like nobody's business. This guy on the keyboard was a maestro I've never seen anybody Strum the keys like this guy did and uh, that that the screen was popping and windows coming up and shutting down and all I'm just watching this absolutely amazed, but no, no matter what he did it didn't uh, didn't clean it up So we're still a few are very uh, talented in that kind of area. You might be able to help us out Figure out what's going on but in any case we do have a new website. It's uh, we have lots of information on there uh, We'll be able to keep it up to date much better than the old one the old the, the old you have it we're on okay Good. Let me see it. Just make sure it's the right one. Yep. Yep, good. All right. greatorlando.com. Greatorlando.com. That's correct. Yep. That's the one that has joy of giving in the money? That's That's what hers, that's what that one just showed. Joy of giving is one of the tabs of the time. Yeah, joy of giving. Okay, cuz I got on that. I don't think that's it actually. Now I'm thinking about, it. hmm. Well, it should have a totally different look. The entire thing is different. It has a... Purple and white. have I think we have all the podcasts uh, converted over to it so you can see it. We have a section on there that has to do with what we believe. We answer lots of questions that uh, people have had uh, concerning grace and the, and the message of the finished work of Christ. That, that's on there for all the world to see. And um, uh, anyway, it's, it's uh, a very, much more handy tool than what we did have took us about a year to develop it. And uh, hopefully we can get the bugs out of it quickly enough and we'll have somebody uh, in a Sunday or two go through it real quick for everybody so you can see it and see how it operates. Okay? All right. Romans chapter 8. Starting in verse 1, "...therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus." Because through Christ Jesus the law of the Spirit of Life has set me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do and that it was weakened by the sinful nature, God did, thank goodness, by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in sinful man, in order that the righteousness or the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us. I didn't say partially met or semi met, <laughs> fully met. Who do not live according to the sinful nature, but according to the Spirit. By the way, who lives by the Spirit? Who does? Everybody who's a Christian. Now, you know, the fullness of the Spirit and understanding Him and all His fullness, certainly there's growth in all of that, obviously. But those who live by the Spirit are Christians. And so that includes all Christians, by the way, right? Regardless of your conduct. talking about to the Christians there, "'You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he doesn't belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin, yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies.' Through his Spirit who lives in you. Therefore, brothers, we have an obligation, but it's not to the sinful nature to live according to it. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you'll die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you'll live. Because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive a Spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the Spirit of Sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father, Daddy, Daddy. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in His sufferings, in order that we might also share in His glory. Verse 18. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. The creation waits in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought to the glorious freedom of the children of God. Now I want to just pause there for a few moments and talk about some things that I think is incredibly important for the body of Christ to understand. And that's, that's the whole concept of suffering. A misunderstanding of suffering leads us into more suffering, and leads us into an alienation from God if we misunderstand it. Um, this is one of those age-old subject matters that people uh, say, well, if, uh, if God's a good God, there shouldn't be suffering, right? Or if God is who He is, there shouldn't be that. Well, there is that, and there is a good God, so there is suffering, right? Has anybody here suffered? Yeah. Anybody suffering? Sure there are. Now, let, let me pose three uh, three uh, suggestions as to why they're suffering. It's going to be an A, B, C, and let's see which one you think is right. All right? First one. Christians suffer. Why? Number one, because we're wicked at the core and deserve to be punished. That's letter A. Letter B, because God is holy And we are unholy, such that we must be punished in order to be taught that we must act holy. That's letter B. Letter C. Suffering is a result of our living in a fallen world. Which one would you think is the answer? I think you're right. I know you're right. But the church doesn't seem to understand that very well. Christians have a tendency to increase each other's suffering. If you're suffering, there must be something wrong with you. What kind of hidden sin is there, and what are you guilty of that you haven't confessed? And uh, The reason why uh, your your life is the way it is is because you're just messed up, and we're here to make sure that you increase uh, the agony so that you really get the point out of all of this. Uh, Job's friends are everywhere, and they're in the church all over the place. Um, I've really met some really well-meaning people that have increased my suffering incredibly. And I've loved them uh, because I knew they meant well. But oh my gosh, it was just absolutely painful. And uh, you you peck enough years behind you and there will be opportunities in which things get pretty rough. They can be. And they will be. Jesus says, in this life you will have trouble. But he didn't stop there. What did he say? But be of good cheer because I have overcome the world. Well... (laughs) So there is, there is a, uh, there's a silver lining behind this thing called suffering. And if we don't see that or don't comprehend it, it's very difficult to work through that. Well, let's go back to a few of these things here. Now, let's, let's just assume for conversation's sake that letter A was the right, right answer. The reason why we suffer is because we're wicked at the core and deserve to be punished. All right. Uh, now, does the word teach differently from that? Of course it does. Um, because the word is very clear that we are the righteousness of God in Christ. We're not wicked at the core. If we were, we couldn't have a relationship with God. If we were wicked at all, we couldn't have a relationship with God. Right? So we are the righteousness of God in Christ. Jesus Himself took on upon Himself all of our wickedness. That sin nature is what uh, he, he became on our behalf. All right, So that's not true her be, because God is holy and we're, holy. we're unholy, says so that we must be punished in order to be taught that we must act holy. Well, no, that's not true either. God is holy, no doubt about that. But so are we. Uh, if we weren't, we couldn't have a relationship with God. By the very nature of who God is. The only way God can relate to us intimately is in the concept, is in the, in the realm of holiness. Purity and righteousness because who He is. Anything less than that cannot have a relationship with God. So De- Jesus didn't just cover you with His blood. He cleansed you with, your, with His blood. Produced in you a new creation. Uh, a new reality. So that old things have passed away. All things have become new. Right? Okay, so that's not true. We're holy. Just as He is holy. First Peter 2.9 says, boy, that's good. You ought to turn to that. First Peter 2.9 nine says that uh, you're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a holy nation, not an unholy nation, a people belonging to God. So holiness, uh, you need to make sure that you realize this that holiness isn't as much an action as it is a state of being. Uh, you can do everything in your life to try to live holy, but if you aren't holy, you're not going to do it. Your actions aren't holy because they're good. They're holy because they're holy. <laughs> only God can do holy things. And only the God nature, only what God has produced in us, living through us, produce holiness. Holy actions, correct? So uh, just, just good behavior and good morality doesn't equate to holiness. It's a state of being that only God has. Right? Okay. So that's not, that's not right. For me to be holy, I must be one with God. Not just try to act like Him thank goodness. I've tried that acting like in business. I'm not very good at it. Seems like I I think I am for a while, but it doesn't last very long. All I have to do is get an I-4 and it it can change real quick. So suffering is a result of our living in a fallen world. Now there's three aspects of that that I think are important. One is because um, there's decay. Uh, Things are coming to an end. In the sense of morale, uh, mortality, things are coming to an end. Our fleshly bodies are coming to an end. There's decay. There's there's some element of suffering because things are coming to an end. Uh, secondly, there's a result of uh, suffering. Obviously, can be a result of poor decisions. Uh, swing a hammer and not hit the nail, hit my thumb. I'm going to suffer. No doubt about that. Cheat on my wife. I can cause incredible pain and suffering. Uh, you know, are, are these things that we're condemned on? Well, of course not. That's not the point. I'm not talking about condemnation. I'm talking about suffering, right? So uh, then the third aspect is, is, and I think the one that we need to really, really pay attention to is the result of, of kingdoms in collision. There's incredible opposition to the body of Christ. Uh, incredible opposition to you. And, and the devil is not interested in you just getting by and sliding by and getting uh, and not having opposition. He would like to do everything he can to destroy you. Disrupt your life and everything about you, your influence, your ability to testify, your ability to, uh, to understand truth. And so there's a very, very significant opposition out there. And I think the scripture is complete with that. I mean, there's a lot of teaching out there about, uh, from the word that teaches about what the enemy is about. Anybody run into him from time to time? My father-in-law told me, if you don't, chances are you're walking in the same direction. So there, there's a, there, there is opposition to you and to what you stand for. Be of good cheer. I have overcome the world, Jesus said. Now how, uh, how, do, you, how do you frustrate the enemy? And how do, you, how do you oppose him? Anybody? How do you stand against his works as he's dead definitely said against you? How do you overcome him? Stand in the Word. Yes. What else? Armor. The armor of God. Anybody know what the armor of God is? Can you list him? No? Keep going, Jason. <laughs> you started it. <laughs> yes. Sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God that was just mentioned a moment ago, Helmet of Salvation. Yep. All right. Now, all these things are aspects of truth and, and, and the clothing of our new creation. Putting that on, understanding what that is, walking in that by faith, walking in our new identity. Um, He's—I'll uh, tell you what. What I've discovered him to be is that he's incredibly good at at uh, taking something and running with it. If I just give him, an, uh, if I just crack the door open a bit in terms of my believing a lie, it's amazing how much more lies have a, have a tendency to be right in behind it. It seems to make a lot of sense. A lot of it's about me. You know, lying about me. And about my relationship with God. And about my destiny. About who, what I'm called to do. Or, or what my actions will have, uh, are dictating. Um, he's, he's really, really good at lying. A great deceiver. Um, I'm not applauding him, simply stating a fact and the truth. He's, he's spent many a year perfecting his art. He's yeah. good at it. And, um, and we need to be aware of his tactics. And it's difficult to be aware of it if we're not in the Word, honestly. You know, the, the discipline of being in the Word is good. It doesn't make you more holy, it just makes you more alert uh, about what's going on. And, uh, and enables you to stand guard and, uh, and to speak the word when times come when he needs to be reminded that he's a liar and, uh, and that what he's saying is not true, what he's saying about you, what he's saying about the situation. You know, the tendency is, is for those who are without jobs, and I was without a job for 18 months between uh, running the mission and coming to Grace Church. Uh, well, I had a job. just wasn't making money at it. <laughs> I decided I can, I'm real good at that. I can, I can work with the best of them and not make a dime. Um, and during that period of time, uh, there were there were a lot of things I heard the enemy say. I wasn't certain it was the enemy at first. It just made a lot of sense. Well, this is just going to lead to poverty. You're going to lose your home. You're going to blah, 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 blah. It just on and on it went. Now, some of that has happened for some people, and so it's not necessarily that it's not a dictation of, of uh, God's calling or love for one more than another. You know, those things are very difficult and painful gone through. I've lost two homes over a history of my life. I understand what that's like. And I uh, thought for sure that's where I was headed with this one. Uh, came close. Um, but in the midst of that season, I was very unsettled and un- insecure. Yeah, you know, I-, I knew God loved me, but... Did he love me like the rest of them? That's what the enemy is saying. And or, or or am I holding him up? Am I? Am I? Do I have obstacles that I've developed in my life or something? Yeah, these imaginations, these these ridiculous mental games that we're going through, that were somehow ultimately saying that I, I don't have it all together. Therefore, God can't bless or won't bless. Where I'm just an nincompoop poop, and others aren't. And it just on and on it went. Anybody ever heard those kinds of things in your head? And it's it's, it's, it's um, debilitating, is what it is. And it didn't drive me to pray more. It didn't drive me to walk in greater intimacy. It drove me away from God, to be quite honest, when I listened to it. Because I started feeling sorry for myself and, and start thinking, well, that's just the way it is. And, and so I felt my relationship with God slipping, although it, it wasn't. It just felt like that. So lies move you away from and the presence of God and His promises and His declarations and Himself, they don't move you to Him if you believe them. So the enemy would love to dump on you a bunch of lies. Um, Don't let him do that. But the only way you can really be effective in doing that is knowing what the truth is. Knowing what God says about you. Knowing what He says about Himself and what He says about you. it makes a big difference. And... um, so when those times that are inevitable come, when there are serious seasons of suffering, a lot of it is because of the incredible opposition that is, that's against us, um, it'll help you weather those storms. I've had, I've had some, not as many as some of you have had, but I've had some that have really been very difficult to come through. And, um, but I'm here to say that God was faithful every time. He was faithful before that event took place. Faithful before that ridiculous decision was made. Faithful uh, in my um, acting well. Faithful when I wasn't acting well. Faithful, faithful, faithful all the time. Because that's who he is. And uh, his intentions have never been sullied because of my action or inaction. He's faithful. He really, really is faithful. And, um, And his plans for you have never been... Uh, had never been sidetracked because he's made a decision. Well, I've just I just can't keep this up. I'm sorry. You know that was the last the last straw. You're not getting it. I'm going to, have to move on to somebody else. It's not how God operates. Thank goodness. Thank goodness. He would have done that with uh, with the sons of Zebedee if that were the case. He would have done it with Peter if that were the case. But these are classic examples of men and women just like you and me. Who are, are who desire a lot more than we have a comprehension of walking in and so uh, I really believe that the, the silver lining of a lot of this is that that the more that we uh, the more when, when crisis comes the more we choose to walk by faith the faster we grow up in terms of our comprehension of things of God I discover him I honestly I love him more deeply because I know him better I see how he acts. I see what he's saying. I begin to hear him at, at different levels that I don't otherwise. I don't know why it takes a frying pan upside my head for me to walk in deeper levels. But it does. Yeah. Uh, the other day I had a, uh, a clerk was praying during our staff meeting. And um, you know we're concentrating on 2012 and uh, having just some some surface level conversations about what this year will hold, we're basically looking at the calendar, and you know we don't we don't plan it in great detail, as you well know. We we try to walk with God and sense what He's knowing and saying and doing, and and uh, and not just be a, a structured organizational church. We don't have any desire for that. And um, but so, in that conversation, while Clark was praying, I felt like I've heard God. I heard God at a level I haven't heard Him in a long time. Uh, incredibly refreshing, and I knew it was His voice to me, and. Um, um, do I need to say that it wasn't audible? Nobody st- st- stood back and so, said, oh my gosh, Bill, God 's speak to you. No, it, wasn't, it, wasn't, it wasn't that. But it was every bit as dynamic as if it were to me. And uh, this is what I felt like I heard him say. It was a question. He said, um, He said, Bill, what do you want me to do? What, 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 do you want, what do you want to ask me? It was like a multiple question. I heard it three ways. What, what do you want me to do? What is it that you really want to ask me? And uh, I forgot what the third part was, but it was basically it. What, what, what is it that you want? I didn't have an answer for that. That, that wasn't judgmental. That wasn't, I didn't feel any condemnation on that. I just realized, you know, I haven't, I haven't been thinking like that. I didn't even know what to ask, but the, but a picture came to mind immediately, and it was uh, with Solomon, and God asked him the same question. He said, Solomon, what do you want? And the answer was, I'm going to give it to you, no matter what it is. What do you want? And um, and gave Solomon a chance because of that because of the question God gave to him, it gave him a chance to think about that a bit. I think it would be worthy uh, of your time to start thinking about what it is. That you ought to be asking God for. Or about. I don't know what that is. What is it? What is it that you want, Bill? What, what, do, you want, what do you want to ask of me? I didn't have an answer. I'm going to get one. I'm going to spend some time and get a, get a clue about that. Now, in, in context, it wasn't so much about me personally, even though I'm, I guarantee you I'm going to really apply it in that area. But in context, what he was speaking to me about was was about the about the church and about, you know, what are we believing him for about the grace message? We've been talking passionately about, you know, this this reformation of grace moving through the body of Christ and what that will accomplish and what is our role in that and and how do we spread the word more effectively and and uh, and how do we engage everyone who's hearing that to to express that in ways that are. Um, that are influential and powerful in the, in, the, in the way that people walk in their lives. How do we do that? That's what we were thinking and talking about. That, that was the passion of our heart. And, um, and I realized God really wants to give us the desires of our hearts. But if you don't know what your desires are, I, He wants to give you the desires of your heart. What is it? Or well, what are they? doesn't have to be a single one. What are they? and uh, I think we had to challenge each other to really spend the time early in this year early in the season to get, in, to get into some of those dusty corners of our lives and really begin to ask God about some things and begin to wade into His presence wade into His presence to be able to know who we are at the core level and begin to ask and begin to, to pray for God's revelation of himself. And and so that when we're asking, we're asking at the deep levels of our desire. I think he's interested at all levels, by the way. All levels. So it's not it's not that you're going to, boy, if you don't get it right, it's just, you know, you're really going to mess up this whole <laughs> opportunity. No, 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 no. That's not what I'm saying at all. But here's a great opportunity to dive in deeply and find out what... What question or questions need to be posed before the Lord because he's ready to answer. That's what that's the feeling I got. It's the sense I have. And I'm excited about that. At a letter I haven't been in a long time. That's uh, I think it's what the voice of God does, I honestly. Kind of speaks at the deepest level of your of the passions of your heart. I just said, Well, God, I haven't heard that in a long time. Well, not, not that, but you. That was neat to me. And so, every opportunity when it seems right, I share that. So, um, will you take that as, a, as your own personal word that God would be saying the same thing to you and say, okay, I'm going to do that? I'm going to find out what's at the core level of my life I need to be bringing God into to sense what His, His presence and power is all about. Here's, here's some things I think are, are pretty significant for us. In 2012, uh, while I have not spent enough time in that, in that in that thinking or in planning and all of that, but I, I truly, truly believe that um, God has positioned us as the body of, as as a local body of Christ, not to be a flash in the pan, uh, not to have a, a quick message that resounds and gets out there and and, and kind of filters and floats out. I don't, I don't believe that. That's, that's, not, that's not our desire. And I don't believe that's what this is all about. But when we talk about what the, the finished work of Christ, when we talk about grace, when we talk about the things that, um, that we talk about all the time around here, um, these are absolutely life-changing messages, are they not? And everything about you and about the way you think and about the way you think of other people changes. Am I right about that? Um, and that's the reason why that's the case, because truth brings you into more truth. And it's it's there's this whole whole network of truth surrounding the finished work of Christ is so fantastic that we just just touch the, the edges of it in our in our opinion. And but once you know once that begins to get out there and the body of Christ gets a hold of that, special spiritual leaders, the body of Christ is going to be transformed. She'll be transformed in the way that she relates to one another. She'll be transformed in the way that she um, experiences church life. I'm talking about in terms of how the church looks. Doesn't have to look like the stand up, sit down, pull out your pocketbook, sing your song, you know, hear the word, and, and let's wait till next week. You know, it, it ought to be much more vital than that, right? Yeah. And needs to be. Um, uh, evangelism is going to look incredibly different, and it's going to be incredibly more effective than it has been. It's going to be relational. It's going to be passionate. It's going to be liberating and freeing, not condemning and not not starting off with the fact you're a sinner and blah blah blah. It's uh, they need to know that because they need to know what to turn from. Please, please understand me there. I'm not putting down that uh, Romans three twenty three. We all sin and fall short the glory of God, absolutely. And but the fact of the matter is, people need to be loved into the kingdom. They need to be accepted and and cherished into the kingdom. I just never saw Jesus approaching. The condemnation side, in order to bring somebody to himself and love, that's not how he operated. But boy, the church seems to love. It. Just look at the marquees out there, thinking somehow, oh boy, that's going to bring people in by droves. You know, some of these words they have out there. Good night. Uh, evangelism is going to look different. Um, discipleship, in terms of how we how we grow up in Christ, how we mature together, that's going to look different. It's not not just going to be notebooks and a, in a you know, in a lecture session, it's not going to be just that. It'll include some of that, of course. Uh, things are just going to look different. It's going to look very organic. It's going to look very life-giving. Um, and uh, and here's another element that I'm really, really excited about. It's going to, I think the power element is going to be returned to the church, and that's been a mystery to me because I've I've seen some of it, not not a whole lot, but I've seen. The power of God in places. And I've experienced it personally. And I tell you, once you get a taste of that, you're just not satisfied with church, as usual, anymore. You know, I I believe our worship's going to move into into much deeper levels than what we've experienced because the body of Christ is not satisfied with just singing our songs. We move in to experience Him and to know Him at deeper levels. That's transforming. So there's... um, God's on the move, and the church is beginning to stir. The body of Christ, the bride, is beginning to stir. She's beginning to recognize His voice, beginning to look, beginning to understand she's not in tattered clothing. She is fully adorned in incredible wedding garments. She's absolutely beautiful, and she's readied um, for the consummation of all that God has in mind. Um, and when she gets a hold of that, you know, she'll start acting like a bride again. She'll start acting like it. And, uh, boy, people are going to be drawn to that. Amen? That's exciting to me. Um, on, on tangent sides, and no less important in my mind, uh, are how we conduct ourselves in the business world. Because like, talking about churches, if that's something outside of the world or separate from the world, is not. The church is involved in all aspects of life. And, and church should be church everywhere, not just on Sunday mornings. So in the business world, how, how business is transacted. You know, ownership, uh, the, the the flows of money, the uh, the wealth of the wicked being transferred, you know, all that transference, and all of those things that have been prophesied and talked about. I fully believe that that's going to happen. Well, it happened in 2012. I think it's going to start. I think there have to be some major changes for that to begin to happen in lots of ways, politically and other things, in my opinion. but uh, But nevertheless... God is involved in all aspects of life, and when we begin to release Him and see Him and understand Him personally at deeper levels, we're going to see that in all, all aspects. See it in the family, see it in the marketplace, see it in the times we meet together, and having the power of God begin to flow in and give you wisdom in, in your business dealings uh, that you wouldn't have had, had it not been from Him speaking at deeper levels to your life, knowing the right decision to make that could create the maximum impact, maximum benefit, uh, it's going to be really exciting. This whole thing about walking with God is not dull or boring at all. Uh, it's pretty exciting. And um, anyway, that's a semi-blessing. <laughs> the rest of it will come when I know something else to talk about. But that's all. I, that's all I got for right now. Any uh, Any comments or thoughts? I witnessed all that. Yeah. Well, I talked about suffering then, but all these other kind of things. So that's kind of, I didn't want to leave it there. I wanted to just touch on that. But I'm, if, I've seen some suffer well. My mom in law, who died of cancer, suffered well. It was a testimony of the grace and love of God. Uh, painful, yes. Ugly, no. It wasn't. It seems like ugly suffering is those that lose hope. And lose their steering and don't know where to go and don't know how to, don't know how to walk with God in the matter. That's, that's ugly sure. suffering. I don't, I, don't mean, I don't mean that in a condemning way. But, uh, you know, trials and tribulations are there. And, and we're all going to be experiencing. We have and there's going to be more. Opposition is severe out there. But once again, be of good cheer. Uh, for I have overcome the world. And there's an incredible opportunity ahead for the body of Christ in, in her real living. Down-to-earth living, expressing and experiencing the love of God in, in great, powerful ways is going to testify through our suffering, through our celebrations. It all counts. It's all valuable. And let's help each other, encourage each other when those times happen. Okay? Thank you. God bless.